0: Hi, James. Ben, how are you? I'm doing okay. How are you? I'm good. Back on the other side of the Pacific Ocean. Uh, Kind of enjoying the San Francisco weather again after a dose of 40 degree slash 100 high 90s, 100 degree Fahrenheit weather in Sydney. It's kind of nice being in a city that's a little bit cooler. I think that's the first time someone said they're enjoying San Francisco weather. So I'm uh,
1: not another first for exponent.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Something like that. And I have my mic stand again too. So no Excellent. more dropping the uh, mic. This uh, week. It's, well, <laughs> it, uh, well, I guess there's pluses and minuses to everything. Yeah. True. Uh, there, there's
1: a theme. So uh, our thanks to wordpress.com for sponsoring exponent as they do every week. Whether you'd like to build a personal blog, a business site, or both, creating your website on wordpress.com helps others find you remember you and connect with you you don't need experience they guide you through the process from start to finish and take care of the technical side to get your site up and running their customer support team is made up of wordpress experts eager to help you get the most from your site and they're available to help 24 hours a day monday through friday and weekends i think that this is to say seven seven days a week
0: yeah Uh. i know i've been wondering about that (laughs) since they've been a sponsor
1: Plans start at just four dollars per month and all plans include a custom domain name for the life of the plan. Go to WordPress.com slash exponent to get fifteen percent off your website today. That's WordPress.com slash exponent. Our thanks to WordPress.com for sponsoring Exponent.
0: Indeed. Thank you guys.
1: So uh wrote about a new topic this week.
0: <laughs> Wait, Uber again.
1: <laughs> I think we I, I believe we have now used this uh this intro every for the like the last three episodes about Facebook. <laughs> But alas, 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 What are you going to do? Uh, there was uh, Facebook made a algorithm algorithm change to the newsfeed, and it was kind of I think expected uh, to 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 a degree. But you know, again, what was the things that there wasn't like a widespread debate about what it would be. They announced it. It was here. It is. This is what we're doing, and which which in and of itself I think is probably a point a point we're thinking about. But uh, according to them, their goal is to increase the amount of interactions and uh, I guess sense of community uh, that, that that you will have on Facebook. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg talking about that. He wants time on Facebook to be, quote-unquote, well-spent. We build Facebook to help people stay connected, bring us closer together. That's why I've always put friends and family at the core of the experience. Research shows that strengthening our relationships improves our well-being and happiness. And talk about they have a responsibility for, for people's sort of well-being. And it was kind of a, a remarkable sort of – you know, I mean, the, the algorithm change is one thing. They've done algorithm changes before. They've been in similar directions towards, quote unquote, friends and family and away mm-hmm. from sort of professional content. But I think what's different here was the sort of uh reasoning that that was
0: given for this change. Yeah. I mean, this is something <laughs> that I uh, know folks who've been listening for a while uh know that I hop on a lot about, which is like, I'm not necessarily sure that it's always good for us like this time that is spent on social networks and I I feel like for the first time there was uh, there's an an implicit admission that perhaps this is actually true and there was a there was a corresponding blog post that they they wrote about this like where they dived into some of the research around quote-unquote what's good for you and what's not good for you and I I feel like they they definitely have the lens of like, how can we integrate this into Facebook when it it may be actually time spent on a social networking site may actually be indeed the root cause of the problem, as opposed to talking one-on-one or really connecting with people, which is harder to do in an environment like that. But yeah. I think just the bigger point though is that they they kind of even broached the subject at all,
1: right? Yeah, the, right. the the very yeah. possibility that that Facebook might might be detrimental. And, and you know, certainly that's a discussion that we've had as you, as you noted and I think you something that you in particular have have pressed uh, on multiple occasions and so it's not to say that that's not not a real concern cause that's obviously a real concern. You just don't often hear the mm. a company itself say you know there there might there might be a concern here usually they're, they're eager to just sort of sweep any potential concern under the carpet as it were.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, uh, uh two things. One is it generally, it, it either needs to get to a fever pitch, or, in, or it's almost like common knowledge before it gets acknowledged. And if it's not at that point, and maybe it's not quite there, though it's getting close, it's to their credit to acknowledge it, right? Like, to actually, okay, this is the way the world is. And I don't know when you look at some of the you look at some of the reactions that Facebook has had historically to the perception that it's behaved poorly or it's being in some way responsible for doing something that it doesn't like the idea of, they tend to initially say no no, 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 no,' and eventually to their credit, they do come back round, and I appreciate that about them well
1: uh, yeah I, I think I think that that is that is fair I mean Facebook you know has has really has shown a history of of changing course when when they feel sort of under threat or when changes need to be made. You know, I think the, everyone talks about this sort of pivot to mobile, you know, mm. the the fame pivot to mobile. but I mean, even even things like uh, with privacy change or even newsfeed originally, like they've mm. they've I think shown a good ability to both stand by. Changes that should be made, like the original newsfeed, like they stood by it, and I think that was, you know, in retrospect, it was it was clearly the right decision. Well, it Was the right decision for sure from a, from a business perspective. And I've been thinking about the the different perspectives. I mean, the point of this article is I went through I went through a whole bunch of motivations and hopefully sort of mm. strung them together in in, in an interesting way because I think when you think about each particular motivation for this change, it kind of uncovers another possible motivation, and mm. and and it kind of it's kind of like a a series of of, of rabbit holes, as it were, where one connects to the other. And that's what I tried to get across this week. But I've also thought about this from my personal perspective. And, and I mentioned a few podcasts ago that, you know, In many respects, Facebook, I I feel a a sort of symbiotic sort of connection to Facebook because the developments that Facebook has gone through as a company has sort of mirrored the topics that I've covered on strategy. And I don't think that's an accident. Facebook is the sort of the dominant company of this era, and if I'm writing about tech and society, you know, by definition, it's going to be you know, Facebook is going to figure extremely Mm -hmm. prominently in that. But the in this context, when I wrote about Facebook when I first started, I think probably the first really. Uh, important article I wrote about Facebook was – it was basically saying that the – why mobile was so good for Facebook. And the reason that it was so good for Facebook is that it forced them to be just an app, as it were, and not to try to be a platform. You remember within the desktop, they 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 wanted to be a platform, and they 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 wanted to have apps running on top of Facebook and all mm-hmm. these sorts of things. Mm-hmm. And not only did it end up being a poor experience for users, it was it was fundamentally incompatible with advertising because mm-hmm. you, you can only be a platform like for like one thing or the other, right? Either you're serving the advertisers or you're serving the developers, and it's very hard to do both. Like, and if you think about it, there's not really any good examples of companies that primarily monetize through advertising that were actually affected development platforms because you just have misaligned incentives like you can't serve two masters yeah i mean it's an it's an excellent point And so what was so good about mobile is the screen was so small that they couldn't even try to pull it off, right? On the desktop, they could have like the side rail ads and they could have have apps there. But on the mobile, it's just a screen. And it turned out that made it such a powerful advertising vehicle because not only were they focused just on advertising, but you had a scenario where an ad literally took over the entire screen. Like you're looking at nothing but an ad. It was the most immersive advertising we'd ever seen on digital as opposed to the web where you just had ads around content. And and that was that was actually a, even though it, it's interesting if you think about it, ads on the desktop are so much more distracting, even though they're not interfering with the content, than they are in like the Facebook feed where they're directly interfering with the content. But the 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 context in which they're presented is so much more natural. Thus, native advertising because it's native because it's native. It's native to the context in which it is, and obviously you know that's completely transformed Facebook's sort of economic power yeah. and. The advertising market generally, with obviously knock on effects for for the
0: media in particular, but all, all sorts of businesses it 's crazy i mean i I hold them up now as like an example of a business that is incredibly well run like it is such a tight ship they are so forward thinking in so many respects, but like this is probably the instance where they turned the corner and it 's kind of crazy to think that it was almost. Uh, thrust upon them. Yeah, It like was luck a in choice. many respects. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I guess everybody deserves a little bit of luck every now and then, but the extent to which they benefited from it and forced them to focus, and that was that was on the basis of luck is kind of crazy when you think about it.
1: Well, I mean, that, that's always the case, though. There's an aspect of just being in the right place at the right time. Mm. And, and they, were, they were in the right place with the right network at the right time when mobile came along to... To really capitalize, to really capitalize on that, and then you know I go on and, and continue writing about Facebook and and about their their building up their sort of ad tools and obviously the, the data targeting and the reason why I thought about this is I've written a few articles uh, I believe the first one was called Facebook and the feed and another one phones and phone books and, and it was about Facebooks like Facebook. Views itself they, in their sort of image of themselves as friends and family, and and my point in those articles was yes, that's how Facebook built their networks, how they built their moat. It's why they're so powerful. But the actual functionality of Facebook in people's day to day lives is transitioning, and is transitioning to being this sort of fill time, passive sort of experience where you just go to get content when you're bored, when you're waiting at the bus stop, when you when you're when you're you know standing in line, whatever it might be, sitting on the couch, you know, watch watching TV or, or or whatever, and it's kind of Moving away from their friends and family. And Facebook, you know, I think internally felt all this tension. Like, we were built on friends and family. Like, do we, like, we need to keep reaching back for that? And I was critical of that approach because uh, for a few reasons. One, like, that's not, that's just not who they were. There were choices that were made, particularly the focus on Facebook being a public sort of thing that that made it impossible for them to get back into that sort of private sphere right and that was the opening that Snapchat exploited and it wasn't an error by Facebook that Snapchat exploited that opening it was the sort of inevitable result of of good choices that were made and were by good i mean choices that were good for the
0: business mm. Which, which makes a lot of sense
1: uh-huh. and the well, cause one of the this is a really important thing for thinking about what's going on here the, one of the key reasons why it was a good choice and this goes gets back to the adver- to being an advertising based business is that advertising is actually not a good fit for personal interactions mm. yep. and, and you see this in in you can look at chat apps all over the world none of them monetize Effectively through advertising like why because you're actively if I'm actively engaged with you and talking to you like an an ad is nothing but obtrusive and enraging and I can and and we I, I will switch to a different chat network.
0: Yeah, I mean, I the, the old example of like if you imagine we were speaking on the phone and all of a sudden an ad popped in the middle of the conversation right. it would be just absolutely infuriating and the the opposite is the case where it is just such a natural experience where you're I mean, you're used to it. Like in many senses like this passive or or this like I have downtime, I'm just going to pull out my phone and fill it like they're competing with with newspapers, they're competing with television, they're competing with a whole bunch of things where people are already conditioned to have advertising and and it's fine. And like the ad unit is perfect. Um, They're generating all this extra data as a result of it. Like there's just this great alignment around the, around the newsfeed and putting advertising in there versus trying to put it into messenger or WhatsApp or, or over Skype, like that would... You're right, infuriating wouldn't even begin to cover it. Well, the thing about advertising that is critical to understand is the, the effect of advertising, the only
1: effect of advertising, is advertising that is native to the format which is presented. Like, mm. and, and this is why advertising the desktop never really worked. It's why search advertising does work, because you're looking for something specific, and it's put in there in the same context as everything else. That's why the newsfeed works. You're scrolling through, cons- passively consuming content, an ad flashes by. It's in the context of everything around it. It's why television advertising works you're sitting on the couch watching watching something and then and, and an ad comes on now I, what's interesting is as the technology has shifted to enable things like like streaming and as allowed for different business models the amount of irritation is is all relative right relative to netflix commercials on tv are incredibly intrusive but where do commercials still work they work for live entertainment because you have to be there paying attention you, you like that can't be streamed it can't be you know looked at at another time and that's where that's remains the most effective advertising vehicle that there is and and this is super important to to appreciate like advertising has to be native to where it is and it 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 has to be and there's a certain implicit amount of passivity that has to go with effective advertising
0: yeah, I hadn't really considered the relative point until now, and it's 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 true. Like when when I was growing up watching commercial television, you'd get ads and you'd be a little bit annoyed, but it'd be fine. But to to watch them now, after having the experience of not not usually watching them, whether it's because of HBO Go or Netflix or whatever, when they pop up now, it's like, oh my god, I can't believe that I put up with this for so long. Like, why is this happening? It's a it's an excellent point. And just go back to the chat apps. So to do a quick inventory of like chat apps, like
1: WeChat primarily monetizes through games. And those, you know, the games benefit from the WeChat network in that the network is is built into the games. You, you play mm-hmm. against or with your friends, but also it's a it's a lead generation channel. Like you they they have access to hundreds of millions of potential customers that they can push games to and and, and you know it's basically like games in the West utilize Facebook as a lead generation channel but they have to pay for it and that's how Facebook makes money WeChat basically is vertically integrated in in that regard where they they just have own the whole stack as as it goes and they're doing in kind sort of payment as far as advertising goes within WeChat but but that's again it's they're not monetizing in that way to the extent they have advertising and they do have a growing advertising business it's in their moments feed which is basically Face the Facebook, Facebook news feed. <laughs> news feed. Yeah. Exactly, where you're just scrolling through and you're sort of more passively consuming broadcast information. And it could be from media, it could be from friends, it could be from official channels, all, all, all these sorts of things. Line, same thing. Line mo- Stickers is a huge one, both direct sales and also uh, an advertiser can buy sticker packs and it's like a free thing that they can use. But it's not like there's, they're inserting advertisements into your chat. Apple obviously with iMessage monetizes by selling their devices. And we've talked about this that people are like, oh, why isn't iMessage Valued as valued in, in the stock price, it is. It's a reason to buy an iPhone. It is you know mm-hmm. it's a differentiation factor. WhatsApp not really an monetization a, at all. And you see, and so you think about it. And Snapchat is probably the most interesting example where the thing about Snapchat is Snapchat has always been about chat. That's always been the core functionality of the service. It's remained sticky, even with all the Instagram stories and stuff. Like there's the amount of stories and stuff posted has continued to increase. The, the thing about stories that was so compelling about Snapchat was not just that one, it was more accessible to new people coming to Snapchat because it was a reason to use the app, even if you didn't have other people to talk to but two it was a much more natural place to put advertising like that's the mm-hmm. entire point of it is they could leverage the chat functionality and the network that resulted from that and the stickiness that you gain from that to monetize in an adjacent space because chat itself is just not very monetizable at least through it's, advertising it's-
0: almost like what we just described with moments like you you're creating you're using the network to build out a a place where there's a passive feed and once you have that passive feed like you can then insert the, the ads it's like it's creating it's effectively and it's not quite the news feed but it's something like that where you like click it and you sit there and you get all these stories and then one just happens to be an ad in between, and it works pretty well. That's, that's exactly right. And so
1: that, that is one of the most interesting things about this statement. Facebook's w- What Facebook has said about the sort of, quote-unquote, well-being is that passive consumption is problematic, but active participation is good. Do you see the the problem here?
0: The problem yeah, is, they... is that
1: passive engagement is exactly the sort of engagement you need to have effective mm-hmm. advertising.
0: Yeah, it's, this is like, I mean, this is going, this is Exponent 101, Stratechary 101, like look at the incentives. And I mean, as soon as I saw this, like something fell off, like any time a business is starting to say or admit things or drive people in ways that aren't consistent with the business model something is going on something fishy is going on and it, it it became very curious for me too to admit it and to start to say that we're moving away from that passive that passive type model which as we've discussed is fantastic for advertising To like maybe we should go somewhere else it's like hang on why are they saying that how can they get away with it like what's going on here yeah, so th- I mean, there's just a fundamental mismatch here. So either,
1: mm-hmm. either like if they actually succeeded in limiting the amount of time people passively consume content on Facebook and increase the time people were actively interacting with 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 folks, it would hurt the business. And and so one, either it's going to hurt the business, and then they didn't say it's going to hurt the business. Like yes, Mark Zuckerberg said there some measures of engagement would be decreased, and further clarification seems to be time in the app, and that time in the app decrease is going to become. Be by virtue of there being less video in your newsfeed, which is another issue point we can touch on in just a moment. Mm. But but no one said anything about there being w- w- less revenue, and this is in contrast to the last earnings call, which we talked about, where Mark Zuckerberg did say their profit numbers would be impacted by hiring a ton of new people to review content to address f- fake news. So the. In the reason you like you have to say this stuff, if you are making a change that is going to impact your financials, like you are legally obligated to acknowledge that, and no one is acknowledging this, and their earnings are coming up at the end of the month and, and, and I'm sure it's going to come up on there but I you know there's some sort of mismatch here either mm-hmm. they are actually going to severely limit the passive consumption of content because it's bad for users and increase the active participation and it's hard for me to see how that doesn't impact the monetization or uh they're not <laughs> like where where it's hard to see one or the other
0: yeah i mean I, I my mind is going to something that we've talked about a lot around advertising and that is effectively there are two companies that are moving into the the space of dominating advertising and those are facebook and google and facebook has a small history now of restricting supply to increase price and this felt like that, that's where my mind started to go. It's like, okay, that engage- people are engaging less; they're going to spend less time in the app. That's less opportunities for ads to be placed. But if you're like, the- if there are only a limited number of spots for advertisers to place ads, well. Maybe they're just going to have to spend more money. Maybe that ad space is going to become even more valuable now as a result.
1: Well, arguably, though, they're going to see more ads because if you're spending less time watching video in particular and, and you, that may be replaced by more time just scrolling the newsfeed, which gives them more opportunities to, mm-hmm. to show you ads. So, I mean, I think it's it's not – it's not clear whether you'll see more or less ads, but your mm. general point is correct, in that Facebook has a much more latitude here to mess around with engagement as it were, because the the advertising is it is a duopoly a digital advertising, and you know this is something that I sort of predicted and wrote about you know going on three years ago now that that mm-hmm. this is going to happen and the the mechanics of why it's going to happen. And this is also why you know people have been writing, oh, Facebook should have never got news in the first place, or they regret ever trying to be a personalized newspaper. <laughs> no, of course, they don't, right? I mean, like Facebook is dealing with issues today, and and we're kind of getting into what those issues might be and what might be their ultimate motivations here. But they are dealing with them from a position of incredible power and and incredible strength. You know, they have this dominant ad business that is growing no matter what they do. They've demonstrated, as you just hinted at, they've demonstrated over the last year that if if they limit the growth in inventory on Facebook, prices will go up, which mm-hmm. which which shows they have differentiate a differentiated product, and so th- they can afford to sort of twist the dials, as it were, confident that it's not actually going to have a big impact on their business. Yeah. In part because they're they're relatively impervious
0: at this point. It's crazy when you think about it, like that, that, <laughs> that you've managed to build a business on top of advertising where you can basically play around with this stuff and not have to worry about losing money. Like there's, they feel like there's no, there's, there's little risk just because of the position they're in. But it's, it's funny. Your initial point around they regret going, uh, doing this. It, it no, reminds me. I don't a think bit they regret of, it to be clear. <laughs> no, correct. My bad. Uh, they don't regret doing it, but like, the, the argument was made by other people that they regret doing it and now they're undoing it. And it reminds me just a little bit of the conversation we had last week, which is, uh, around processes and like the set of decisions that you make at a point in time being the right ones. And then you have to deal with the consequences later on. And it feels like it's, this is another version of that, albeit slightly different, but like they did what they had to do to get to a dominant position, just like Intel might have done that with, or, or the, or the, uh, the, the processor manufacturers might have done that with desktop computers around making a decision around predictive, uh, doing the predictive uh, computation in advance. Like They were doing it with a set of circumstances, and maybe later on they come to regret it. But at the time, they were doing the thing they needed to do to get ahead. And the new stuff is exactly that with Facebook. Yeah, they might tweak it now for for various reasons, but they wanted to get to a position of dominance. And now they have the luxury of being able to wind it back.
1: Well, w- whether they can wind back or not is one thing, but I think your point is it reminds me sort of con- to to conclude the point I started to make before, which is when I f- was writing about Facebook originally, and and both that post I mentioned, and then later on Facebook and the feed, and and what they should do, and my belief that they should focus that the focus on news and being the the front page of the internet and the power of habit—it's mm-hmm. a place people go when they're bored—is a really mm-hmm. powerful place to be. It's because it's better for advertising, and it's it's something that you know. It's really hard – like habits are powerful. Like you th- mm-hmm. I, We've had this talk before where I think people in tech underestimate the power of habit and how critical it, that is to building something that is really defensible. And, and thinking about it personally, all my writing in that context one or two years ago or two or three years ago was all about how do you optimize this business? How do you make this business even more powerful, make the moat even bigger. What's the right path to go down? And my consistent sort of advice was this is the path to go to make the content that much more compelling. I'm kind of uh, doing a little bit of navel-gazing here, but it's striking to me to think about our discussions about Facebook over the years and my writing about Facebook over the years and the extent to which I was so... Focus like a laser beam on the business aspects, and how do you build mm-hmm. this into a powerful business which they which they have and versus now where we 've spent the last you know year year and a half i mean we 've always discussed I think the social aspects of Facebook and the impact, particularly you you 've been pushing this point for for a very long time, but I think both of us jointly, particularly over the last year, spent a lot of time talking about Mm -hmm. these issues and it's it's just interesting i kind of mentioned that sort of symbiosis there where where now facebook is kind of they've shifted the same thing where they were narrowly focused which i think is understandable justifiable and Mm -hmm. any business person would be on building Mm -hmm. a really strong business and now they're like lifting their heads up like oh well what about this sort of what about this sort of other stuff and on one hand great on the other hand you know, they perhaps they have the luxury to do that because of the duopoly that we talked about. Yeah, and, and on totally. the third hand, maybe it is not entirely altruistic, but also
0: enlightened self-interest as it were as well. I mean, uh, particularly this last point. I mean, if again, like I think as the, the zeitgeist has shifted towards the realization that uh maybe silicon valley isn't all good maybe there are maybe there are elements of of what's happening that that are Troublesome, whether it's we're talking at an individual level or at a societal level. I think enlightened self-interest, like you want to get out in front of this. If if this if this catches on, and regulators have already started to move on some levels, and I think we'd both agree that perhaps the way that regulators and policymakers are, are looking at this aren't ne- aren't necessarily the right ones. Like going to the root cause of like understanding how the world works and how Facebook plays at it. But if once they take hold of it, like you're in trouble and. And it's better to get out in front of it and behave in a way that precludes them needing to act in the first place. Like self-regulation is almost always a better outcome for a business, particularly in a duopoly or a monopoly position than than letting the regulators come in and decide to wave their wand on you it's that rarely ends well well that's what's so
1: interesting about the the rhetoric that facebook has used about this change is we we've both talked about the danger of sort of regulation and sort of of the the flying ointment as it were is how might facebook be regulated i think even like google you can see you can it's much more easy to lay out a monopoly sort of case against Google, an antitrust case against Google. With Facebook, I mean, it's very – it's much more difficult. Like what are they doing that is even remotely illegal? Even if you think that antitrust interpretation of the US is totally flawed and wrong and it should be a more sort of European approach that focuses on competition, again, what is Facebook doing wrong? Like with Google, I think it's it, – there's much more of a – tangible case whereas Facebook you kind of have like I wrote this sort of theoretical like the cost of monopoly about Facebook and looking at the fact that they haven't they haven't helped media monetize very well again they don't need to and there's no incentive to do so which shows they sort of have monopoly over sort of information viewing but that's that's a very fuzzy sort of monopoly that could never actually be, I think, regulated in a meaningful way. Same thing with advertising. It gets, it's very difficult and fuzzy to – you're getting into people making self-interested, self-selecting choices that it's not clear what they're doing that would be even remotely illegal. And, and so for Facebook, the fear of regulation has always felt much fuzzier than I think in, in the context of Google in particular. And that's why I found this language so interesting where they're focused – this discussion about well-being because if you think about it, if – like I've never – I haven't even written an article. I probably should write one at some point about like what undoes – a aggregator? Like, how does an aggregator go sideways? Mm-hmm. And and if you think – remember the whole point of aggregation theory is we've shifted from a supply-driven world mm-hmm. to a demand-driven world. And that demand is what gives power. If you can harness that demand, you gain power over suppliers. In the case of Facebook and Google, the, the idea of a super aggregator is that you, you, you also have power over advertisers. And you have this three-way sort of virtuous cycle going on where having power over one Makes you more attractive to the other, which give, which which gives you more power over the next one, and so on and so forth. This sort of virtuous cycle going on, and you know, Facebook is is the perfect example of this. You have all these media companies that basically obliterated their businesses to be on Facebook because they had no choice right like no no media company by putting their stuff on Facebook did anything wrong they did the only thing they could and you're like oh look at you you killed your business yeah well it was either kill my business immediately or kill or maybe try to extend it for two or three years I mean that's the, no that, that's the reality if you think about mm-hmm. the nature of advertising advertisers don't care about where they advertise they care about can they reach the the people they want to reach and and mm-hmm. and you can do that most efficiently and most effectively both in a targeting perspective and also on the amount of time and money to spend to do so on Facebook and Google along with it, obviously. And and so there are very good structural reasons why advertising shifted there, which means for media, it's inevitable that the only way forward is to build a sort of direct connection with your users and how you – there's different ways to monetize that. But that writing has been on the wall for a very long time. Like To the extent this change messes with media business models, it's media – that were trying to cling to a business model that was inevitably dead, Mm -hmm. inevitably going to die, the walking dead, as it were. Sorry, I'm I'm rambling a bit here. But what I'm getting at is if you – it follows if the key to aggregation theory is about demand, that the downfall of an aggregator is not going to come through supply – it's not going to come through the, the monetization mechanism. It's going to come through demand. Like if something is going to happen such that demand – there's going to be a shock where demand suddenly abandons the, the system or, or, or whatever it might be. And if you think about Facebook, like the – if you talk about well-being, and I made the analogy to smoking. Like if it actually became mm-hmm. a broadly accepted idea that using Facebook is bad for you. Like that is the that is by far the most queer linear A to B I can see exactly how Facebook could collapse. And it's the only way you could see that happen. All these other even a regulatory approach is only going to like it's not gonna it's not gonna like regulation will lock them in. It's not going to it's not going to
0: end them. I mean and and like the like one of the ways in which you could say that they've they've we've we've talked about them as a duopoly over advertising. What is a regular regulator gonna do? Force Facebook to show more ads to users? Like how popular would that right, be?
1: Right, exactly. Or like force that, advertisers not, to go somewhere else? Like yeah, like regulators don't have that sort of power,
0: either. nor should they, yeah. Yeah, totally. But like this idea that you the the thing that makes you strong suddenly which is which is the user suddenly realizes that they shouldn't be there. It's it's like it is a that is exactly how a collapse could happen and it's really interesting to think about it from from this perspective and like this article that you wrote really started to tease that out like that that uh it's so my initial instinct is uh, to look at it from a business model perspective and say, "Oh, they're doing something that uh, if it's not accretive, like, uh, I mean, maybe it's stable, but like, there's also a chance that this could actually reduce the amount of money they, they make because they're reducing engagement. But then you think about it from a long-term perspective. Actually, it's, it's incredibly intelligent. It's the, it's to recognize that what matters most is not growing revenue quarter on quarter. It's protecting the thing that generates revenue over the long run. Um, and that if, if you get labeled, and I I would, I mean, I've probably made arguments that are similar to like, this is like sugar, this is sugar for the mind, like people mindlessly picking up their phones and not thinking and just clicking on stuff. It's like. I don't think it's good for you. And like the realization that if that, if, and and there are a bunch of Silicon Valley people who've opted out of these companies uh, working at Google or working at Facebook who feel guilty about it and whatever, and who are now pressing these arguments and trying to figure out how to undo the harm that they've done. But not, re- so re- but not, re- but not returning their money. Of course not. Uh, um, Like if, if that becomes, if, if that, settles into popular sentiment then that could prove absolutely devastating for facebook like if you think about this like using facebook the equivalent of smoking a cigarette people are going to stop using it that would be devastating yeah i mean you want an example of how habits can be powerful and then uh, <laughs> how how you how you
1: overcome that it's like right. you're going to die <laughs> and again we're not saying that is the case but it is so interesting that this again the rhetoric around this is is what I find most interesting about this change even more than the, much more so than the change itself. It, and it almost feels like an attempt at inoculation where mm. where instead of risking that this narrative that Facebook is bad for you sort of starts to take over broadly, it, better to get out in front of it to introduce the narrative yourself to own the narrative and say oh actually no Facebook's not bad for you. Passive consumption is bad for you. And again, it's a little – it feels a little disingenuous in a way because, again, what makes Facebook different from Snapchat is – it's better at passive consumption, and mm-hmm. passive consumption is better at, for monetization, and and, and so there, there's a there there is a disconnect here. But if you think about this idea, okay, our real long term danger, the far more dangerous to us than regulation, is if it becomes an accepted fact that using our app is 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 a bad thing. So let's say, oh, this sort of consumption is bad, not Facebook itself. Other kind of consumption is good and Facebook is going to be about the good consumption. It's going to be about active participation and all these sorts of things and it's like getting out in front of this potential – Again, like this is where the world works. The world doesn't world doesn't work on controlling supply. It doesn't work on regulating and imposing laws. It works on controlling demand. And we need to shape the – and it's really hard to control demand. It's incredibly difficult and there's so much noise out there that for a message to break through that would actually cause users to change their behavior en masse, which is really hard. That's why it's so hard to build a network business and why it's so hard to undo a network business because you have to change people as a whole. You don't just change one person. You have to change a bunch of people at the same time. Better to get this out there, almost muddy the waters so that mm-hmm. this message could never break through because we introduced the message first and we're gonna own this particular interpretation of it.
0: Yeah, it's uh from a from a messaging perspective, it makes lots of sense. But I, I'm curious as to your opinion on a couple of these things. Do you do you agree with the idea that time spent on Facebook, at least before this change, may not be well spent? Is that something you personally believe or not? I I, I don't know. i I've,
1: I've I mean, I don't know. I, I know that I, I've seen the various research that's out there. I think there's mm-hmm. I I've, I think it's one of those questions that that it's exceptionally difficult to draw broad based broad based results from, given that the sort of way impact that social media may have on you probably differs based on your personality type, your experiences, backgrounds all those all those sorts of things. And there was a fascinating article that uh, Tyler Cowan wrote on his blog uh, Marginal revolutions about w- w- his interpretation of why he thinks social media has become so toxic over, over basically post Trump and b- basically I like different types will find different uh, will react differently to different s- sorts of inputs and social media will exacerbate. Mm. certain types, but not other ones. And, and I, I, I can't do it justice. I'll put the link in the show notes, but I think this, this idea, I would say, yes, it does, but not to everyone. I think to certain types it does and to certain
0: types it doesn't. I mean, I I have a follow-up question. So, um, so, so at least to some extent that the time is not well spent. And I guess the follow-up question is, do you think this change obviates the reasons why that time is not spent or not? Well let me let me go back to the time spent for just a moment cuz so there's I think there's
1: another okay. point to make. There's so many things we can do that are time poorly spent. I mean I I like we no one talks about Netflix is it actually good to sit in front of the TV for hours on end as Netflix just endlessly plays the next the next episode without even showing the credits or showing any of that sort of stuff just like keep you locked in is that is that good? Is watching TV good? Is is you know eating potato chips good? Is drinking soda good? Is smoking good? I mean, like there's there's so many bad things that we can do. And I guess something that I get a little nervous about with not mm-hmm. just Facebook, but just in general about all this sort of stuff, is where's the sort of I mean, not to sound like an old fogey, but where's the role of like sort of like personal responsibility? Like at some mm-hmm. point, there's an aspect where what we do with our time and our behaviors, whether it's productive or not, is is ultimately on on each of us individually.
0: Yeah, no, I I agree with that. But I I mean, you mentioned the you mentioned the example of tobacco, and I mean, we we you also mentioned potato chips, which isn't exactly it, but like there's a similar debate happening around sugar. Like, I, I was I was these, setting you up. Yeah, you were. Like some of these things are like taking advantage of us in ways where yeah like I, i'm with you on personal responsibility like I'm a big believer in eating healthy like exercising so on and so forth but there are ways in which you can exploit humans and their their foibles or and and whether that's an addiction to nicotine or whether that's like some of the stuff that uh some of this like, like you you can you can create addictive things from a technological perspective as well just like you can create them physically and chemically and I don't know. Yeah, no, it, it's it's totally valid, and and my mention of personal responsibility is not to dismiss it. I'm not I'm not a
1: personal responsibility absolutist, that, like by by any means. It's more, you know, what what's the balance here? To what extent are mm-hmm. it, it, I think it's a very fair question. To what extent are sort of like you know I know there's been debate about this, uh, and you know more and more. Articles and presentations about how Facebook and Google and these other sort of like and their growth hacks and engagement, how they, like they, they are about triggering those sort of dopamine hits that that are mm-hmm. sort of addictive, and you get those likes and you get you know the the desire to see one more thing or come back and check it again and again and notifications and and how those play with sort of human psychology. No, I and it's what I can absolutely see how it could be problematic. Like I, so I guess it's one of the things where. It, I just I just want to be cautious in that mm-hmm. I can spin up a story in my head where it is absolutely uh, addictive and it's very problematic and and there's things we need to do about it. I it's also I'm always wary of like when stories just seem to fit too perfectly. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like oh like totally. you 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 want to believe that it's true, so you believe that it's true. So I would I guess my answer would be uh I suspect it's I suspect it's true. How's that? Uh, I suspect it's true.
0: Yeah, I, and I mean that that's. I I'm probably a little bit more, uh, a little stronger on it than you are. Um, it's that uh, it's, Uh, But I I guess what's interesting is like whether what they're introducing in an – like this is an attempt to get over the – it feels like it's being introduced as an attempt to get over the narrative as opposed to an attempt to take something – an admission that Facebook sometimes is not time well spent and to suddenly start making it time well spent. This feels like it's a tweak on something – it's a it's a tweak on the algorithm as opposed to a fundamental reframing of facebook that's suddenly going to make whatever might be perceived as it or, or the reason's why it's bad and it's suddenly going to take that away i mean it's, it's such a it's a, it's such a it's,
1: it's such a good question to really th- think about i guess i would i would there's two things i'd like to see one i would like it would be good to see more non facebook uh, aligned sort of research, and mm-hmm. I, and I and yes, if Facebook is not cooperative about that, and they do their own research and they say, believe us, we, we promise this good research. I'm skeptical <laughs> of that because I think they're you know the the one time they did release a research report about like the filter bubbles, it, there was tons of problems with it. Like it wasn't mm-hmm. a well run study at all, and they kind of took conclusions that weren't weren't justified from it. So I'm I'm inherently skeptical. As you you know, it's kind of like I mean, again, I'm not, we're not saying Facebook's smoking, but as an analogy, like tobacco company research is not. Is not very trustworthy. Um, the and so I love and I think there's you know I'd love to see more researchers go in this direction again. Just sort of, it's probably going to be more of sort of a longitudinal study, which is the most mm. expensive and most difficult to kind of understand the impact of this stuff over time. And but I I hope that is an area that people are working and studying on, so we can get a better. Sort of understanding understanding of this, and I think that that's a study that could be done without Facebook data, like just you know tracking people's usage, what they do, their well being, mm-hmm. those those sorts of things. So that that's one. Two, I, I guess there's a there's kind of a secondary those sort of point in here about one Facebook saying they want to fix it, or two people rallying on Facebook to fix it, or whatever it might be. Is you know there we are obviously both capitalists. We we believe mm. the the market is a the best way to generate broad well-being over mm-hmm. time, to bring innovations to, to, to bear, to unleash human creativity, all those sorts of things. The, and but we are neither of us are extremists. We're not like our you know anarchic you know libertarians that there should be no regulation. No, the, the stuff can go too far. And, and there is a role for regulation. There is a role for people in the open markets. Like checking Facebook and like in like mm-hmm. doing these sorts of studies and, and and writing articles like raising these sorts of questions and that's and that's a good thing and I guess the the point I would the, the one sort of general frustration I have with a lot of Facebook criticism is so much of the Facebook criticism is about what Facebook should do. And it's like, you have all this power and you should exercise it according mm-hmm. to the way I think you should exercise it. When the far more fundamental issue is that they have so much power, period. Mm-hmm. And when you when you get to areas, and this is going to surprise our listeners, when you get to areas of massive power, that's why we have that's why we have government like the and again government has the most unchecked power but at least in uh in 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 a liberal democracy to the extent you know that that there is when and you as much you want to criticize the u.s or any other western country compared to a whole lot parts of the world it's still far more democratic and has real political checks than it does elsewhere again it's, it's hard to think about right now but it's always useful to think relatively uh, even even when things seem dark like that the point of that system is because huge amounts of power are problematic, and there needs to be there needs to be a check on that and what makes the whole Facebook thing more concerning than anything is weaving aside the addictiveness and and the impact which to the extent it exists is this concept of they do seem to have a duopoly in their money making apparatus, which remove sort of the one constraint that there might have sort of been on their behavior and they really it feels like can do can can do what they want and that that's the sort of like underlying all this is my biggest discomfort
0: if that makes sense Yeah, it totally does. I mean, it's interesting, though, that uh, the fact they have that much power and like that's also something that's been of concern to me, like going back as well and like the, the Murdoch analogies and like how that power could be exercised if they start to move off focusing on financial incentives and it doesn't look like that's what this is when you take a long-term time perspective but this idea that if they do abuse this power too much and i i i don't want to get off the addictive thing too much because if if that if it does become widely recognized they've managed to achieve this duopoly status and it does become widely recognized that this isn't good for you uh, isn't it crazy to think about what's going to happen to the advertising in- industry? Because, like, I don't necessarily know that a replacement will immediately spring up. I think if people recognize that Facebook's bad for you and, uh, and they stop using Facebook and Facebook-like applications, like, there's a recognition that this thing isn't great for you and that it's addictive and so on, like – there just goes a whole bunch of the advertising industry.
1: Yeah, right? I think it's pretty fungible. Like those they'll,
0: they'll, they'll, they'll have to figure out how to use Snapchat <laughs> or whatever but isn't, might that be. A, but isn't that the same thing? Like if you recognize, I mean, I, I think this was my point of those questions earlier. Like I think, I don't think these things, in so much as it is bad for you, I don't think these tweaks like, actively participating versus passively participating is really going to fundamentally change anything. I think it's this whole class of types of applications that that are the problem. And if people recognize that, then it's not just Facebook that's the problem. I also would say it's Snapchat that's the problem. And it's a whole bunch of these other applications, like a whole bunch of the way social media has evolved, that is actually problematic. And it, it might actually result in there being less advertising in, inventory. I don't think Snapchat's
1: very much like Facebook, though. I mean, it's it's kind of interesting. I think Snapchat is actually the company that Mark Zuckerberg wished he would have built. Like, Snapchat, like, I think what what happened with Snapchat is when Snapchat really broke through into the public eye, you had all these sort of old fogies like us going to Snapchat and the most completely was, like, stories. And the stories kind of felt like Facebook but kind of a much cooler version of Facebook mm-hmm. where you're, you're clicking through this kind of cool stuff and experiencing all these pictures and you had the lenses and you could make, you know, augmented reality sort of thing. But the core of Snapchat... The actual part of Snapchat that has always had the most usage, and what drove the product from day one, is chat. It, mm-hmm. It's it's actually talking to people. It's actually connecting to your friends and family, and and. Evan Spiegel is exactly right. It's a new way of communicating, of, of communicating visually, of communicating via pictures, not communicating necessarily via typing out text. And if you think about the, the way hu- humans have evolved, it's in many respects a much more natural way of, of communicating, much more amenable to, to the way our minds work. And, and, and that is – like Snapchat at its core is a chat app. And, and Facebook mm-hmm. is not that. Facebook from day one mm-hmm. has been a p- public profile app. It, like that's how it started it was like look at look at their names their yeah. names no, 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 are actually no, no. quite descriptive and you know to snapchat's credit a lot of the problems and certainly Snapchat is triggering those dopamine you know mm-hmm. things where people are responding to you and talking to you but I mean th- that's not new I mean the, the the idea of like talking to your friends on the phone or waiting for that phone call or passing notes in class I mean yeah it's taken like to an exponentially greater degree but it's mm. it's 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 not unnatural in the way that faith, the the idea of like being able to consume and inhale content and news from all over the world is uniquely new to humanity. I mean, it used to be that I've, I've someone, this is a well said trope, so I I can't remember who to credit to, but it used to be that what dominated our lives was the day to day happenings in our immediate vicinity. Mm -hmm. And occasionally the outside world would break through. Like, it, it, whereas you know, the horsemen would come in from wherever and say, "Oh, you know, we're at war." It's like, "Oh, crap, we're at war." Who knew? And even though the war started like three months ago, right? And that's the way human history has has been for 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 uh, for ages. Whereas now, we spend all day, every day, consumed by national events, by international events, by what's mm-hmm. going on. Like everyone's in the Honolulu or the the, the Hawaii like alert. Like we're all like that that the, that concept of what dominates our experience of life is the broad-based and occasionally our day-to-day reality breaks through, like that's a total inverse of what's going on. In many respects, Snapchat is much more aligned with the way we've always conducted ourselves, where it's all about that close-knit interaction with the friends that you have. And yeah, there's the Discover section where you can read about the broader-based stuff that's going on in the world, but it's much more secondary to the
0: primary functionality. Yeah, I, I mean and I think that's a good point. And I think the the the, the broader point of of uh so p- leaving aside the 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 functionality and the way that that they used and that's not to dismiss any of that, but I think there is an element of the reduction in friction and the fact that this is happening so much and that these apps are taking advantage of these these dop- dopamine type hits. Where there are there are consistent themes where it's not necessarily healthy, and something else that came up. No, in I'm going to push back. I, I really think you're wrong to so easily conflate Facebook and Snapchat. Oh, I'm not. I'm not conflating. I'm accepting what you're saying, but I I would say that there are elements of the addictiveness of a lot of these apps that where it's encouraging their use as opposed to if they weren't uh, utilizing some of these addictive features, they wouldn't get used as much
1: yeah I mean you very well, maybe yeah I mean, that may be the case, and certainly, I mean, but I mean, like getting dopamine hits isn't like inherently bad
0: either. I mean, you know what I mean, like that's there there's no, no, they're no, far. no, I agree with that, I guess I guess like in terms of like the reasons there are the reasons that this stuff might be bad for you or what's good for you like i I almost have this. Uh, primacy in terms of like developing human relationships and like the time you spend in person with people is better than that, is better than perhaps time spent video conferencing or calling them, which is then better than time spent texting them or sending them photos, which is better than time spent interacting. On mass in the more passive, like newsfeed, uh, newsfeed type way, and that's that's what I, I guess, I, like, in so much as there are pro- that that I have a problem with this, it's drawing people down that stack away from the 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 stuff at the top, which is the rich interactions that actually cause people to be happy, and and down into the the phones, and uh, I I don't know. Well, that's kind of like the newspaper argument where
1: you're saying just by virtue, like geographic proximity is what should matter to whether something is good or not. You know, like there's like, is it, is it better or worse that I have a very much visual interaction with people I care about via a, via a phone, as opposed to I'm sitting on a subway car and with a bunch of strangers and and I don't know, I don't like, I, I, I couldn't Care who they are. I mean, it's like, it feels a little bit like those. Oh, I can't. People post a picture of people on the subway. Everyone look at their phones, like, oh, how terrible is this? And then inevitably, you know what's coming next is someone will post a picture of a subway car of like 40 years ago and everyone's reading a newspaper. It's like, Mm -hmm. you know, like at the end of the day, like we, at some point we kind of just want to like go somewhere else and the fact that we can do that from anywhere. And again, this, this gets into, I think a core sort of, it depends on what perspective you're taking. And, and, you know, I come from a tiny town in Wisconsin where no one cared about technology and no one cared about business. And all they cared about was like what pickup truck they're going to buy and like going to like, their showing, you know, showing their cow at the state Mm -hmm. fair. You think I'm joking, but no, that's literally what, what what people cared about. And for me, and, and this is, and I've, always admitted this colors my perception of a lot of this stuff for me the internet was the unlocked so unlocked the world for me and and not just made my business possible but made who i am as a person possible and this the the idea that it is inherently better that you connect with people around you. Is is I'm not sure that's always the case, and and not just for you know a relatively you know for, not just for someone like me in a small town Wisconsin, but people who who may have different sexual orientations or 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 be transgender or or be mm-hmm. uh, a minority in wh- wherever they're at. I mean. I'm in Taiwan as as a as a foreigner and yes, uh, I have friends and family here, but the ability to connect with and have a like the relationships I the relationship I have with you, I see you once a mm-hmm. year. It certainly feels quite authentic and deep and important. Uh, from my perspective, would it be better or different if we saw each other in person every time? I I, I don't know. I, I actually I'm not. <laughs> sure. No, I'm not sure that it would be, and not 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 because we. I mean, the easy joke is that oh, we we, we 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 would fight in each other. I don't think that would be the case either. But there's an aspect where the the plane on which we communicate works well with the tools we have to communicate with, and is that the case for all human relationships? No, not necessarily. But I'm by no means ready to make a categorical assumption that oh. in-person interaction is is superior and thus, you know, there's in it's inherently that these sort of applications and networks
0: are bad things. Yeah, no, I I, I wasn't proposing it as a hard and fun. No,
1: you're not out. at all, I, but but I think there was a there was an unstated assumption underneath what you were saying that I
0: wanted that I wanted to challenge. No, I, and that's fair enough. I guess I'd push back a couple of ways like um, like seeing seeing your kids or seeing your family, and like I say, this is someone who is, uh, halfway around the world from mine, and like a month that I spend with them in person feels like the uh, the equivalence uh, or more than of like 11 months of texting and phone calls and facetimes and whatever. And and as for the the newspaper versus phone analogy, I think that's exactly right. And I don't think I guess my problem is less what people do on the subway. What I would say is that. The the newspaper wasn't buzzing and showing little red alert signs when people were sitting down at the dinner table and would otherwise be talking to each. other. Yeah, but that's – take I, some
1: personal responsibility. Put the phone down. I mean, I guess that that's sorry to to get off my lawn. but I mean, it, it, like it's, if you can't put the phone down to engage in a dinner conversation, is that Facebook's fault? Is that Snapchat's fault? Is that or you
0: know, like put the phone down no 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 I, I agree with that but uh, I I mean and, and an interesting point perhaps to to bring in some of this was like there was a there was a letter written uh, to uh, by investors to Apple this week around like how they could potentially uh, improve this the way this technology works around kids' minds and like for you and I who are very mindful about this I I know you have children and I'm pretty sure you don't let them play with it the the iphone or the ipad at the dinner table not everyone might be like that and those products are designed to be addictive and particularly to young minds like that's the kind of thing where they they want to they will all things being equal if you don't have someone being mindful and someone taking personal responsibility like this like i I think you could end up in a situation where it is distracting from those real life interactions right but do we want daddy apple or or daddy facebook mm-hmm. solving these
1: problems a- again like if you go just go back to the to the smoking again again we're not saying these companies are like smoking just because mm-hmm. smoking definitely kills people but the you know the, the reason to make a societal intervention was not that people were killing themselves it was that it cost us a whole bunch of money to take care of these people when they made themselves sick, and you know there was uh, you know secondhand effects where if, you know you smoke mm-hmm. you smoke in a restaurant or you smoke in a public place, other people who have no desire to smoke are inhaling it and and experiencing harm. Right? That's that's why you decide because taking this sort of collective action and regulating what people do is oh. you know th- it's a dangerous place to be. So you do it oh, when you totally. have broad based reasons to do it because there's it's sort of like a collective. There's collective harm being done, so we are going to take collective. action to regulate individual behavior. And and, and so just something, you know, to the extent, so people say, oh, well, you know, Facebook, a question that needs to be asked here, to what extent are people harming themselves, which is certainly not a good thing, but there's a further question, which is to what extent does this harm felt collectively such that collective action ought to be necessary but mm. should be sort of government derived and again i'm i'm that much more f- uncertain about telling companies to make people do something or not do something
0: oh so uh a i wasn't I, i'm certainly if if you interpreted that as me suggesting collective government action that's absolutely not what i was suggesting no you but, suggesting- but you want you want you want apple to fix it well, I mean, I feel like this is an excellent example of, of again, something that we've talked about a lot, which is the difference in business models. And so there was a, there was a really interesting article by Fahad Manju in the, uh, uh, in the New York Times this week, where he basically digs into whether it could be the case that Apple would be well positioned as an organization to, uh, to, to do something to, pr- to potentially prevent some of these addictive elements or or to um to, 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 I mean, the, the, the reason that I like it so much is it teases apart something that we've talked about a lot, which is the difference in these organizations' business models. And one of the things that's almost unique about Apple as compared to Facebook or Google is that we are all, like, as consumers, Apple's customers. We pay Apple, and that means Apple has us – like, they have our interests at heart. And I, as an Apple customer, would actually appreciate tools, whether it's more information or additional tools – to help limit this kind of thing because i feel even being mindful of it it is um it is not good for me like time spent on facebook is not well spent and i have to be dis- like quite diligent in going through and changing notifications or at times i've even deleted the app off my phone and i think there's information they could provide in terms of how you use it how you use it relative to other people other users um, whether you're using it as much or as little as you would like and maybe adjusting that. So some apps like a mindfulness application, if you want to use that more where it encourages you or if you want to cut down on something like Facebook, it could also encourage you to do that. It, it like it drives at the difference in the business model because what's interesting about Facebook here is that despite their business at least short-term incentive being to continue to uh, keep engagement up and keep using the app in an almost addictive way. Apple is like once they've sold you the phone, it's it's like their interest is aligned with yours in terms of using it in a way that that you want to use it. And I'm also not suggesting these should be default settings that are forced upon everybody, but it's, it's an interesting thought. Yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad you mentioned that last point. Uh, my, my sort of initial reaction
1: was kind of along with John Kruvers who because the, the article Farad wrote was, was, it's time for Apple to build a less addictive iPhone. And and John's initial sentence was, it's time for Farad Manju to write a less eye roll-inducing column, <laughs> like, <laughs> which is dairy Fireball Snark at its finest. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think, yeah... I, I would be very concerned about Apple sort of proactively determining how you use your phone. Like that, that just uh, I mean, I have all kinds of problems with that. And mm-hmm. and for all many of the reasons that we've kind of hinted at in, in in this episode. The concept of allowing you to take more control of your phone, though, I I'm all I'm all for that. I mean, I think this is, you know. The the ad blocking thing is is probably a good example where you know and I I kind of had a philosophical problem with ad pro with ad blocking generally just because you know if someone has a crappy site just don't visit it but you know I I've mentioned a daily update that I sort of changed my view particularly with sort of the latest exploits that we talked about in part mm-hmm. it's like JavaScript is just such a it's such, like it's so powerful in what it can accomplish on your computer that to click on a link and not know it's a crappy website and and to be compromised is you know it, it, at at some point like just it's broken it's just utterly broken and yeah it's it's not cool like i don't think mm-hmm. i still think you should avoid sites with 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 bad ads and to you know use them for aesthetic reasons is i think you know problematic but mm-hmm. you know anyhow <laughs> i've totally got off track but the 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 idea of giving users more control i think is is something i could definitely get behind and i think it aligns with the, the idea of Yeah, I want to use Facebook less. Uh, Those notifications, you know, always drawing me back on accident, or or the whole like, I just took out my phone from my pocket to use the calculator, and I spent you know ten minutes on Twitter. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, it needs to be. If we could have, yeah, there are tools where I could actively do something about that. I think that that's that certainly makes this sort of argument. I think much more much more appealing.
0: Yeah, it, it was, um, it's just this notion. And I know you, I, I actually thought about it in the context of how Apple might talk about a new operating system like iOS 12 in a, in a keynote and like this context of like that they've, they've, they've like you said, have taken the strategy credit of, of focusing on privacy or, or, or talking about it, even though it, it might not necessarily be the best long-term play because the data enables you to create a better product. But like in terms of there being an opportunity for them to craft the difference between Apple as an organization and the advantage that they get by getting people to buy their products and how they can then work in their users' interests as opposed to some of these other tech companies where you you are, you are the product rather than you are the customer and therefore they aren't necessarily working in your interest. I just thought it would be a really interesting way of bringing that to light and then introducing new opportunities for, for you to control the way that these, that, that these tools that are endemic and that are designed in some way to be addictive are being introduced to your life and how you, you, you could gain more control over how that they, they, they- how you engage with? it. Yeah, don't be me start on Apple's rhetoric about this stuff, though,
1: because I, I don't want to hear Tim Cook say once again that they're selling your data when they're not. Uh, just because that sure so, it's no so no, no I agree I agree yeah wall. yeah I mean it's interesting we're we're we've, we're kind of far afield I think from the general from the from, from the I think the broader point now Uh I mean it, I guess the other thing that'd be fascinating is Apple has such a huge boy pulpit like if Apple actually made some sort of statement along those lines that these apps are mm. are addictive and problematic like that makes the the PR problem. And we talked talk about this in a few episodes, like PR problems or PR challenges or or, or like outcries. Like, I mean, it feels like, oh, no, we need like an official sort of regulatory response. Like the way in a demand-driven mm. world, PR blowups are – they're more powerful than anything. They really, really are. And it's it's mm-hmm. something that's hard to wrap your head around. I mean, the, the idea that – Something becoming, we've seen this in the context of like the the YouTube stuff that's going on. Like like it, it, nothing in exchange like that, and it's not it's because we're in a demand driven world. Like in that mm-hmm. it, that influences all these sorts of things.
0: Totally, uh, totally. I mean, it's it's just in the context of like Silicon Valley slowly becoming the bad guy. It could also be an interesting PR move from Apple to like start to create some divisions in people's well, minds. Well, they've, I mean, they've already
1: been doing that with the advertising stuff, right? Which is yeah, frustrating I
0: mean, me because I think they're not being, they're not,
1: articulating the issue clearly, but I think this is yeah. maybe the, I'm sorry, I totally interrupted you, I apologize, but no, no, this no, is like, I think I th- the PR goal that they're going for with that talk, yeah. but probably a much more effective one than I think that, that, that the, the general anti-advertising
0: sort of rhetoric has been. Which is exactly my point. It like be an interesting <laughs> way of, no, 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 no. I mean, I think you made the point in a, in a really, really like, like that's exactly what I was going to say. It's like, I don't care who makes it. It's the point gets made. And, I actually think it starts to get in people's minds the difference between paying for things and getting things for free, and why there's actually an advantage to paying for things. And oh, I mean, and and I can selfishly say I hope people learn that about media. I mean, like you, <laughs>
1: <laughs> you
0: you you guilt. Oh, what does that say about our podcast? Ben?
1: <laughs> no, I mean I think we've been clear from the beginning. I mean, Exponent, uh, we have yes, we have an advertiser now, but we had we had mm. uh, you know. 60 70 episodes without any advertising Mm -hmm. and it was very profitable i think because it led to you know the people feeling a a connection building that relationship with users and then having a way to monetize that through a well-articulated delivery of value i mean like that's that's how you have to build nice recovery no (laughs) that's how you have to build a business (laughs) so you definitely have to build a media business these days and and you know and I don't We'll we'll see. We'll see what happens with Facebook. I think the the in some respects the media story here is almost less interesting than anyone. It's it's the it's the final nail in a coffin that has been built and filled for mm. for a long time now. No, I agree. I agree with that. Anyhow, our thanks to WordPress.com for sponsoring this episode of Exponents. You go again go to WordPress.com slash exponent to get 50% off your website today. And I will talk to you next
0: week. Sounds good. All right, have a great day. You too. See you, mate. Bye. Bye.